So Money episode 627, Dr. Nandy, physician and author of Ask Dr. Nandy. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Question for you, So Money Nation. How healthy are you and how do you measure health? We talk a lot about health and its correlation to wealth on this show. And our guest today is ready to give us even more insight and more advice. And you might even recognize him. Dr. Partha Nandi is joining us. He's the host of the nationally syndicated hit show, Ask Dr. Nandi. And he has a very new book out called Ask Dr. Nandi, Five Steps to Becoming Your Own Health Hero for Longevity, Well-Being, and a Joyful Life. Dr. Nandy grew up in Calcutta, and there, at the age of six years old, he encountered a near-death experience. And he talks about that. He goes right to that moment, how he felt and how that memory has shaken and impacted his life today. We talk about how to afford being a health hero, really financially afford. Even though Dr. Nandy has the five pillars of being a health hero, which includes nutrition and movement and tribe and mindfulness and purpose, let's be honest, if you don't have money in the bank and you get sick, that's a problem. How do you still be a health hero in that situation? And the one thing Dr. Nanny says he cannot bring himself to buy, no matter how much money he has in the bank. Here's our conversation. Dr. Nandy, welcome to the show and congratulations on your new book. Arnush, thank you for having me. Uh, no, I'm excited, uh, excited about people to kind of get the message. And, you know, we, we ask people to become their own health hero. So I'm excited that uh, we're able to have other people understand what we're talking about. Yes. Hashtag health hero. So the book is called Five Steps to Becoming Your Own Health Hero for Longevity, Well-Being, and a Joyful Life. It just came out earlier this month. And tell us about this concept, health hero. What does it mean? So, Varnush, great question. You know, so when I do talks around the country, especially when I talk to young people, I ask them, you know, who is your hero? And Often I get answers like LeBron James. Some people say, you know, maybe Taylor Swift. Some people even say Justin Bieber. They love, they love Biebs. So I say, well, what about making yourself the hero of your story? And then, you know, once they think about that, I tell them to go one step further. And so health heroes are heroes that really put their health in their own hands. They put, they put health as the most important part of their life. And in, and in turn, they, every day, they, they do activities that really improve their health and well-being. And, and for me, you know, I was just like those those young people that, that talk about celebrities. I was just like them. I used to love the sports celebrities until I was a young kid. I almost died from a disease called rheumatic heart disease. And I and I learned at that time, you know, your health, without health, you really don't have anything. So I, I think it was important. And, and by being a health hero, you know, I don't mean the fad diets, the, the crazy workouts. I mean, really doing doing activities that anybody can do, you and I can do easily, but it's making small changes consistently that can lead to big, big results. That's the whole idea behind being your own health, your own advocate and, and doing things uh, consistently to help your health and well-being. There are five pillars. I'll go through them. Nutrition, movement, those two make sense. You have to move. You have to, it's like calories in, calories out. Uh, but also being physically active is important to get that heart moving. Tribe, 
mindfulness, and purpose. What do you mean by tribe? So, you know, I'll tell you, um, uh, before I get to tribe, I think the, the f- most important one, actually, for Anusha is, is purpose. The thing is that, you know, when my dad, who was really my ultimate hero, he was our our really our rock, right? When my dad got ill about nine years ago, I really learned something very, very important. I I became his caregiver. My family and I, you know, spent nights in the hospital with him. And when I when I was on the other side, listen, I thought I was a good doctor. I thought I really knew how to take care of patients. But what I learned from Nush is that I there was a lot I did not know from the other side. So I said to myself, you know, what can we do to really make a difference? What can we do to really change this so others don't have to have it? In fact, so you don't learn it in a moment of tragedy. And so with that kind of purpose, I was able to really galvanize my family, my community, my patients, my city to becoming their own health heroes. And we started in one station uh, for this in Detroit. Now we're in uh, we're 215 million homes uh, with our television show. So, you know, it can really happen. And so when you have purpose, really the, the why is there and then everything else follows. All of the steps you talked about can easily be done. And so that is critical that you have to have purpose. And then once you have purpose, you can have mindful eating, you can have purposeful movement, uh, you know, and, and, and you can have cultivation of your mind and spirituality. And then finally, your tribe. And, and when you have these five steps going for you, you're really a formidable force that can, uh, that's really somebody to be reckoned with, you know, because you, when you look at the evidence of just, for example, just looking at purpose, if you have real purpose in your life, your longevity, the amount of years you stay alive more is about seven years. You can add seven years to your life. Decrease dementia by 53%. So imagine putting all of these five steps together. It can really change your, your whole perspective, not just in your mind, but physically you can actually become healthier and, and, and change change the whole paradigm. What's an example of a revolutionary human story, someone who has, besides yourself, perhaps, and uh, your family, but people who have taken this verbatim, have actually um, prescribed to this, and, and what, what happened? What results did they see? That's, um, that's, a, good, that's a good question. I, I would have to say, you know, I write this in my book, too. There's a gentleman, um, Charles, and he had seven cancers. I believe the seven cancers. You know, people have one or two. And they're, they're, At the know, same time? Well, one and one after another, he beat all of them. Oh my gosh! And I said, you know what's going on? What is what is it about you that you can beat these cancers? So I met this gentleman when he had head and neck cancer, the cancer of the throat, um, because I had to put a, a feeding tube while he was getting chemotherapy and radiation, and then he subsequently had lymphoma, cancer of the stomach. I mean, he went on and on. I said, what is it about you that really changes everything? And he said, what I do is when this happens, it becomes a war between me and the cancer and his sense of purpose, his sense of, of being, he, his cancer, his, you know, fight against cancer is everything. And he, and he just says, unbelievable how he's overcome these diseases. And, you know, and to this day he comes and sees me. He's just, he's just an amazing character. And so I believe that our cells, every single cell in our body has the capacity to heal. And it's those few of us who really know how to get that going. It doesn't mean that you don't, you know, I don't mean to say that you don't listen to your doctor. You kind of just say, okay, let me just imagine everything and it's going to get better. It's not that. It's that you use all the resources that you can to help heal your body. And, and that's what Charles does. He doesn't stop the chemotherapy. He doesn't stop listening to his doctor, but he also 
galvanizes the power of his mind, spirituality. He, he course watches his diet and he's always a go getter. And what he does is his sense of purpose makes him amazing. And, and I have learned a lot from him and, and people like him really have changed my perspective towards medicine. You know, I practice Western medicine, but I really, I take the best of Eastern medicine and I, and I put it together with Western medicine. And I think that the combination is really the future of medicine. You talk about having the important resources to become your own health hero. Money is not a pillar. However, I would argue that in some cases, having the the resources, the financial resources to support your health, uh, especially if you are someone who falls ill, healthcare in our country is a broken system right now and it's expensive for many people. So how do you reconcile that? I mean, you can have the best diet, you can have the, you can go run every day, you have the right mindset, you have purpose. But if you don't have money, what happens? Yeah, that's a great point. And so I think that our healthcare system is really a sick care system, you know, and it's, it's, well, it's a very reactive system. So what I mean by that is, you know, we don't do much to preserve health. What we do is we always react, you know, so people come to me and say, Doc, you know, I need a Xanax. That's your chief complaint, meaning that they won't, they won't really tell me in the beginning what's wrong. So what I say is, you're absolutely right. If you're, if you're ill and something happens, um, obviously, if you don't have the resources, you, you often, often, you know, can't do well. But I also think the converse is true, that if you don't have your health, you cannot have wealth, meaning to, to, for any profession to really achieve whatever you want, whether it's, you know, that you want to be, um, economically super well off, or if you want to get the right, you know, promotions, if you want to get the right, um, you know, I don't know, uh, the best out of your career, you have to have health. And so I think both are very important. What I will say uh, about about the fact that if you, if you are somebody who's really conscious in what you do with your, not only do you run every day, but not only do you eat every day, but you also eat with mindfulness. You eat with purpose. It's very important. It's not just doing it. It's actually understanding the why. And, 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 and here's the reason. All the data, this is why an MD is talking about. This is why, you know, I'm not, I'm not, um, a spiritual guru talking about this because as a physician, I, I look at objective data. Objective data says that if you eat mindfully and actually move with purpose, one thing I'll tell you when my, in my practice, um, I, a story I always like to tell, I, I'm next to this big gym and one of the, my favorite hobbies is vulture watching. So what I mean by vulture watching is that I watch these cars circle this giant gym. Why? Because they want to find the closest place that they can park so they can just jump out into the gym because it is not time to work out. You only work out in the gym and and that's it. If someone could carry them and into their treadmill, they'd be happy. But the key is that they're not doing purposeful movement. Everything that talks about disease, about longevity and disease-free states talks about movement with purpose and living with purpose. So absolutely, you can do everything right that you think it has to start with the why. Why are you doing it? What's made it motivating you? Are you using mindfulness and spirituality in your life, doing it consistently and, and using your tribe to coalesce? In every population that uses that, people live well over a hundred. There are many, many centenarians. So absolutely, if you have a catastrophe happen and you don't have any money, it's difficult. Now you have to know that in, in the US, 
you have to accept patients even if they're impoverished, meaning that if somebody has a catastrophic illness, you can't just say, sorry, Charlie, you're, you're out of luck. You still have to accept them. Now, but the difficulty happens with the follow-up and difficulty happens with preventative care. But I, I think that you can, both cases are true, meaning if you don't have your health, you don't have your wealth. And if you, if you, completely impoverished, you're going to have problems. But I really offered all of your listeners that people think about their wealth. If you take care of yourself and do some of the things I talk about in the book, earnestly, small changes, it can really lead to not only better health, but better performance. Mindfulness experts now are in every sports team. Why? Because People perform better when they have mindfulness meditation. All the noise has decreased significantly so you can do what you're supposed to do, right? right? So there's a lot there. You talk about longevity in the book and you just brought it up as well. Do you predict as an MD and as someone who is reporting on the top health risks and health concerns and health issues, is our quality of life improving health-wise? Um, what is going to sustain us to the predicted 120 years of age <laughs> that some of the, you know, data is, is suggesting? Um, you know, on the one hand, obesity is out of control, but on the other hand, you know, with, with all the gene therapy and gene innovation, there's, there's a lot to look forward to as well. So where are we headed as, as a nation, as a world when it comes to, healthfulness and um, being ultimately health heroes of ourselves? That's a great question. You know, I, I think that here, here's here's the thing. In, in, in this part of the world, in the U.S. and the Western world, you know, we just don't pay attention to the important stuff. You made, you made an excellent point. You didn't say quantity, you said quality of life. So a lot of us, especially in major urban areas, are just chasing our tails, meaning that, you know, it's a total rat race. You know, we are... We're materialistic, meaning, you know, when can I get the bigger house or whatever it is that you're chasing. But what we've seen again and again is that after you meet your basic needs. So, you know, I think in the U.S., if you can if you can sustain yourself and make sure that you have food and shelter, et cetera, I, you know, your quality of life doesn't go up appreciably. And this is something that's really surprising to people that, you know, after you, you meet your basic needs, if you're, of course, somebody who doesn't have a home or you, you know, you're, you're really having problems. Yeah. If you, if you make more money, it definitely helps your well-being. But after, after you meet, meet your basic needs, it doesn't help you, uh, with your overall well-being. So the quality of our lives are really, really poor. Not only are we have an epidemic of obesity, epidemic of heart disease, epidemic of autoimmune disease, but we also have an epidemic of meaningless lives. And so, um, you know, even though you may have economic resources, you're rich with money. You know, I know in many, many cities, when I've spoken in New York, when I've spoken in Los Angeles, the same questions come up as they do in Dubai. It's the meaning of life. People are struggling with it because they don't understand what's going on. So yeah, you know, we, we are getting better at longevity. We're far behind though. You know, for example, South Korean women are, are predicted to live to 90. We've just broken the 80 mark just broken the 80 mark for, you know, and men, men haven't quite done that even. So it's, we're lagging behind because here's what we're not doing. We're not paying our health forward. So in sickness and in, and in health, we are not doing the things that I'm talking about. We're not following those five steps. So in turn, what happens is that we are chasing our tails. When we get sick, we go to the doctor, right? And then they can maybe give me a pill and go forward. 
there's really no, you know, people don't have any, 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 uh, uh, nature of like, what, what is it that I am responsible for to make my health get better? And that's why I talk about in the book, what you can do to really raise up your health, not just with numbers, with longevity. I want real health where you're playing with your green grandkids, not in a nursing home, in a feeding, not knowing what's going on. So that's the key is that we have to get the quality up. security fortune 500 companies use they need to know police are going to be on the scene immediately this is exactly the kind of security you get with simply safe if there's a break-in they use real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime and that means police dispatch up to 350 percent faster than for a normal burglar alarm with simply safe you get comprehensive protection for your home outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your house Entry motion and glass break sensors guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, carbon monoxide poisoning, and it's all monitored 24-7 by live security professionals. You can set it up yourself with no tools needed, or they can do it for you, and it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Visit simplysafe.com slash so money. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash so money so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash so money. You are an immigrant, Dr. Nandy. You were born in Calcutta. You moved to the Midwest with your family. Um, what drove you all here? And Take us back to that time period, if you can remember one of your first sort of uh, vivid memories of how the country was introduced to you and what you thought the U.S. represented at the time. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I, so I was, I, was, <laughs> I was a kid and I remember this is not the U.S., this is the West, though. So I'm, you know, the Western world. So I'm, I'm in a, I forget, I think I'm in London. Um, we took a British Airways flight. And I'm just, uh, I was nine years old and I'm, you know, in that, in that moving walkway, I almost fell off because I saw, I saw two people kissing openly and I said, oh my oh. God. <laughs> yeah. I told my mom, my mom said, just don't look, but I almost fell off the thing because I was turned completely around. So it was interesting. It was just a, a comical part of what I remember. But here's what I remembered about, about the West is that, you know, I love the fact that I was old enough to remember enough about the East. So for me, yoga was a new age. You know, for me, prayer and spirituality wasn't something that those people do. It's what everybody did. I saw it, you know, and I, when I was in India, I still remembered it. And then when I grew up, my, you know, we prayed twice a day. We, we understood meditation. So I was, I was so, I'm so excited now. I didn't know then, but I'm so excited now that I have those memories because what the West offered is unbelievable innovation, unbelievable, you know, advances in medicine. So what I loved is that I can, I can have the combination of both of them, uh, together. And, and I remember, um, as I, you know, as I went through medical school and practiced and, and it's the amazing combination of both Eastern and Western medicine that really galvanized me. I had, a, like I told you, I had a really big scare when I was in India. I almost died when I was six years old. So that really got me in tracking towards becoming a health hero. The doctor that saved my life and my parents really showed me what a health hero was. So I already was on the path, despite me not quite knowing exactly what that was, but I wanted to be like them. So, you know, when I got the opportunity to really get the best, best training in medicine in the world, which is in the United States, you know, married with 
the, the thousands of years of unbelievable, uh, you know, uh, tools that we can all use. Boy, you know, what, what a treat and a privilege to be able to do that. When you were six years old and you were in the hospital bed, what did you, what do you remember from that time frame? What did your six year old mind tell himself? Were they keeping things from you? Looking back now, you probably know everything, but at the time, were you scared? Were you confused? I was petrified. Mm. I was absolutely petrified. I was, I was almost always held down as they were doing test after test. You know, it took six people to, to hold me to draw blood. And it was, it was just a, it was a nightmare because I didn't know what was coming next. I didn't understand. Remember, I just, so I got ill and I went to, I must have gone to half a dozen doctors for Nushin and I was actually covered in garlic. We went to traditional doctors. We went to alternative doctors. Nobody knew what the heck was going on. So I was actually covered in garlic for an entire day. I was covered in mustard oil for an entire day. And nothing made me better. So when I saw this doctor, Dr. Chandrasekhar, who saved my life, who saved my life, it was Christmas Eve. And I remember it, uh, Christmas Eve in, in India, uh, when I was age six, my dad always got us a fruitcake. So I knew it was Christmas Eve. Every, every Christmas we got a fruitcake. It's really funny. But, uh, so Christmas Eve, I go in to see a doctor and he said, you have to admit, you have to go to the hospital today. And I was like, wait, wait a minute. Usually they give me something and I don't get better. This time he said, you know, we don't have much time. So they admitted it. For a six year old, it was an absolute nightmare. But looking back at it, you know, it was, it really saved my life. I was on bed rest for, Almost a year and a half, I was homeschooled. I was puffed up like a Michelin man. You know, my face was totally bloated from steroids. It was a pretty harrowing experience, but it, it's what I had to go through to be in this place that I am now. It is what was needed for me to understand how important it is to really take care of yourself in sickness and in health. You know, you got to do it beforehand to understand some of the things that you could do to prevent these catastrophes from happening. And I think it is how you are so successful in your career as someone who connects with people on a day-to-day basis to have to have that empathy, right? You have, that has to be probably the most important thing that you lead with um, in your, in your conversations and in your show and in your books and in your practice. I think that having gone through that, that's inherently something that you're very good at doing and having. Um, Thank you. Sure. Well, what did you? What would you say is your relationship with money? You have a great relationship with health today, your personal health, but this show's about money, so let's go there. Oh, absolutely, yeah, no, no, it's totally, totally appropriate. You know, I think that people have these dichotomous relationships, meaning that there are some people like, oh, I don't like money at all, even though you need money to live. You mean the problem is that you know I don't think I think having wealth is an amazing thing because. You can have, you can define wealth in many different ways and having money is one way of defining wealth. I think if that is your goal and that helps you absolutely by all means, I just don't, what I don't like is the aimless, you know, the aimless search for money for really, for really no purpose to yourself. There are many of my patients that come in and they're, they have seven figure incomes and they don't, they still don't know what's going on with their lives. So I, I say, I tell, take a step back. I said, can you give yourself more free time so that you actually make more money? I said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, I want you to be able to say that how much free time do you have per dollar that you actually can possess? So that is to me is the most, to me, the best, best, you know, uh, 
ratio and measure of your money or your wealth. So it's not just the dollars that you make or the, the absolute money that you have or your worth, but rather the money per time spent, meaning how much money, how much time can you have to actually make that money do what you want it to, right? The money is there for you to be able to do what? Give you purpose, give you happiness and give you joy in some way. Obviously, you need it to live and all of us do. Economics play a huge role. I know that, you know that. But it goes beyond that. The people who just aimlessly go for money and then forget about their wellness. And so to me, the, the optimal, the optimal ratio is when you have adequate time and then have money to be able to be free enough to be able to do the things you enjoy. Then you get real health and wellness. Uh, as opposed to saying, you know, I have a great car. I drive a Tesla, but it's only between the hours of 10 and midnight because I leave at 4 a.m. and I get home at 10 o'clock. Right. That is crazy. But you and I know that's not. That is not an unrealistic thing that many people, their lives are like that. And, and I see, I see people around me that do that. And that to me is not really getting wealth. It's just looking at the numbers. And that's, that to me is not healthy. Uh, I mean, you're not wealthy, nor are you healthy. Yeah. That's just accumulation. Yes. What was your so money moment in your career? Um, and what's, what does the future hold for Dr. Nandy? What's your goal? Yeah, you know, so what do I want to do when I grow up? You know, yeah. my so money moment, my so money moment really happened when my, my dad had a stroke. And, and, and people said, what do you mean by that? I said, what it did was it really, it really ignited a passion uh, when I really had to understand what it took to really, to really be a true caregiver. So, and, and why is that a so money moment? Because to me, that unleashed what I really was here for. Um, I, I love practicing medicine. I still do. I still practice full time. But I was able to get the other side of me, the, the side of me that really even more than I did before needed to empathize to understand what it takes. And so uh, that that makes made me more wealthy in the sense that I was able to give more to my patients. And what happens is that when you give more to, to anything in your career, you get better at it. And, in your, you know, I've I was busier as a physician. I was more um, recruited as a speaker and everything else got better. Again, it's a consequence of my purpose. And that, that's a very big dis- distinction. It's a consequence of my purpose and not the other way around, right? So the money wasn't, my so money moment wasn't the reason why I did this, but rather the, your wealth and, and, and in every way, not just money, comes when your motivation, your purposes is clean. And, and the future for Dr. Nandy is this, that I'd love for more and more people to know all the tools that I know so they can live the life that I have. You know, listen, everything I say in the book, everything I'm saying to you is what my family lives every day. You know, we are as a community, don't do anything that we can't ask our, our our family to do. And so the future is for me to more and more people to, to be able to to understand what, what we're talking about. I'd love for people, you know, that write to me from from Africa, from from South America to New Orleans to be able to understand some of these techniques. And it doesn't always involve having the biggest bank account or the best, best physician or, or best hospital, but rather it, it comes from within. It comes from understanding that your own body has amazing powers that are waiting to be unleashed. And when that happens, everything follows, including, including material wealth, including physical health and wellness. You've been very successful uh, career-wise, health-wise, 
financially? Is there something that you still cannot bring yourself to buy? <laughs> no, I can't get myself to buy these ostentatious cars. And I see people, I, again, I'm all, much love to all the people who love that, but I just can't get it. I don't get it how somebody could buy a what car. What do you drive? For- What's your car? You know, we, we have a, um, a Chrysler Pacifica and we have a kind of like SR, uh, the, what is it? The, uh, it's not the SRX, it's CTX or something. So they're not bad cars, but I can't, I can't come, uh, and get, I can't get used to people buying these $200,000 ostentatious cars. I can't do that. I just think it's a, it's a waste. <laughs> we, you know, we were, we, I was, uh, I was with my younger brother. He's, he knows everything about cars. He worked for a, an car like an antique car site at one point in his youth and so he can identify a lot of ridiculously expensive cars and we were in the Hamptons and that's where you usually find these like ridiculously expensive cars and he pointed one out and he goes that car is three million dollars and I said what idiot really I mean no I guess uh I am insulting you at this point like you I don't care how much money you have but three million dollars I don't like to judge people on how they spend their money but come on I hope you're also spending three million dollars on charity <laughs> to yeah, at least something that, that will give you more sustenance because the car is just a material thing but I think a lot of my a lot of people that, that I know that have those cars it gives them – so they can point at it and say, look, yeah. I told you I'm successful. So what happens is that all the sacrifices you make and things that you can't really say, I wish I could do this, I wish I could – that car often replaces it. And it's just not a good replacement. And and so you should look within yourself and say, you know, what else can I do to really make myself happy? And so that's me and that's the perspective. There's worse things in life to do, you know, with the money. So, sure. But I – that's something I can't come come to. It's just, it just comes from my immigrant background and 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 my uh, uh, how I was raised. You know, we were raised to understand the value of resources, the value of of a family. So you know, that's where it comes from. Dr. Nandy, thank you so much. Your show is called Ask Dr. Nandy. A very popular syndicated show. The new book is Ask Dr. Nandy: Five Steps to Becoming Your Own Hashtag Health Hero for longevity, well-being, and a joyful life. Congratulations and thank you. Hey, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much to Dr. Nandy for stopping by. Again, the book is called Ask Dr. Nandy, Five Steps to Becoming Your Own Health Hero for Longevity, Well-Being, and a Joyful Life. It is out in bookstores everywhere. If you have any questions for me, you know what to do. Go to somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh, and send me your question for our Friday episodes. Still looking for co-hosts. If you listen to the show, have some money thoughts, some money advice, let's get together and go through the mailbag. When you click on Ask Farnoosh, let me know there that you also want to be a co-host. Thanks and hope your day is so money. 